Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Lone Wolves Club podcast, a podcast for conversations you won't find in the church, a club for those who feel like a lone wolf. I'm your host, Nicole Porter, and before we kick off today's episode, I first want to say thank you, thank you so much, because I have officially kicked off this podcast and shared it with people and the responses that I have gotten have been so positive. So many of you have DM'd me telling me that you really need a podcast like this or that you've been looking for a podcast like this. So many of you have also said that you wished you heard topics like this in the church when you were growing up and want the church to talk about some of the things that I'm talking about. So all of your feedback and encouragement let me know that I am on the right path and really meant a lot to me. I just wanted to say thank you again from the bottom of my heart. And now on to the rest of the episode. So last time we talked about the Duggar family and the cult of fundamentalist Christians we also talked about mental health a few episodes ago and dating. So since we have talked about some more serious topics, I kind of wanted to have a more lighthearted conversation for today and kick off what might become a new segment, if you will. And I want to call this segment Christians Who Do Too Much because Sometimes, or a lot of the time, depending on the Christian community you're a part of, Christians do the most when it comes to over-spiritualizing things. Before I jump in, however, I want to remind you where you can keep in touch with me in between podcast episodes. You can find me on Instagram at lonewolvesclub.pod, and you can also email me at lonewolvesclub.pod at gmail.com. Both of those are great places to keep the conversation going, like I said, but also to leave me any feedback or thoughts. Since I'm still working on getting this podcast off the ground, I would definitely love to hear any feedback or any topics that you want me to cover. Oh, and by the way, I also have a YouTube channel called Lone Wolves Club Podcast. That is where you can just listen to my podcast, um, it'll just be a video of the logo. Um, it won't be a video of me sitting down and recording because I am camera shy. <laughs> but you can listen to the podcast there too if YouTube is an easier platform for you to look stuff up on. All right, let's kick off our new series, Christians Who Do Too Much. So this came about because one day I was on Instagram and I stumbled across an interesting conversation from a Christian poet slash motivational speaker. He asked his community about a situation where a woman who was engaged posted a photo of herself on her social media where she was on a beach um, wearing a modest bikini. I know the phrase modest bikini might sound like an oxymoron to some, but there are some bikinis that can definitely be more, you know, full coverage and modest. Anyway, she was wearing this modest bikini in her photo, and her fiancé, of course, was supportive of her posting that photo because, one, it's her social media, 
she can do as she wants. And two, he obviously thought that she looked cute. However, the woman's pastor ended up messaging her and recommending that she take the photo down because he did not find it to be a modest photo. She told her fiancé about what her pastor said, and her fiancé said that he's fine with the photo, and she's fine with the photo, so she should just leave it up. But she ended up taking the photo down as her pastor advised, and this caused friction between her and her fiancé because the fiancé felt that she cared more about what her pastor thought than about what he thought. And since he was going to be her husband one day, he hoped that his opinion would count more than their pastor's. So the question this creator asked his community is if the woman was right to listen to her pastor or if she should have listened to her fiancé when he encouraged her to keep the photo up. Basically, the question he posed to his audience was, who is her spiritual leader? Because that is the person that she should have listened to. It actually became a pretty heated debate, with some people arguing that her pastor is her spiritual leader while she's engaged, and then when she's married, her fiancé, turned husband, will become her spiritual leader. So as an engaged woman, she was right to listen to her pastor. Others argued that although she may not be married yet, her fiancé's opinion should matter more than their pastor's because her fiancé is the one that she is planning to marry, and since they are the ones building a future together, she should listen to his opinions over anyone else's. It doesn't matter if they aren't married yet because they are working towards that goal, so they pretty much are man and wife. So... <laughs> I was, first of all, surprised that in 2023, because this post was literally from like a month ago, um, I'm surprised in 2023 we're still debating about whether women can post swimsuit photos on social media or not. <laughs> and I'm also surprised that we're still having conversations about spiritual leaders and all of that. Um, I kind of want to dive into this topic later and dedicate a whole other episode to it because I don't know if I really agree with the idea of men being spiritual leaders over women, um, specifically husbands being spiritual leaders over their wives. Um, if you're not really familiar with that phrase, spiritual leader implies that the husband is kind of like the guiding light in their relationship that he is supposed to listen to God and love God the way God loves the church, loves his people, and his wife is then supposed to submit to him, trusting that he has heard from God and is following the wisdom and advice that God has given him. Now, I know this sounds maybe like the hierarchy that I shared when I talked about the cult of fundamentalism and some would argue that you may not be wrong to compare that, but I don't think it's that intense um, in the way that most Christians view spiritual leadership. I don't think they view it quite in like the fundamentalist way, but there is that notion still going around that husbands should be the spiritual leaders of their household. They should be the guiding light. They should be 
the ones to encourage their family to go to church, encourage them to be reading the Bible every day, encourage them to be doing devotionals, um, basically should be encouraging the family to really um, put into practice their faith, if that makes sense. Um, again, I want to do a bit more research and dive into that a bit more. That is just a very, very, very general overview of the idea of spiritual leader. But I just wanted to clarify that because it is important to kind of understand that phrase um, to better understand the rest of today's episode. Anyway, all of that to say, I had a completely different take and I'm surprised at how much people were going back and forth over the issue and debating who is the spiritual leader over this woman. Is it her fiancé? Is it her pastor? Um, and the chatter that I heard from both sides kind of troubled me because, first of all, <laughs> this woman is a grown woman who can make decisions for herself. If she has a strong relationship with God, then she should have that guidance on whether or not putting up a bikini photo is for her or not. I believe that every Christian has the Holy Spirit living in them. And according to Acts chapter 2, that is what counsels us. As long as you have the Holy Spirit to guide you and you know that you hear from God, you can feel free to move through life trusting your decisions. Of course, you can still ask people for advice if you're unsure of the right move to make. But overall, if you have the Holy Spirit as your counsel, you probably already have an idea of what things you feel comfortable doing and what things you don't feel comfortable doing. For example, I know some Christians who are comfortable with swearing. They have no problem swearing. They don't think that God judges them for swearing. They see it as a release or an outlet because sometimes you just need to drop a good F-bomb when you're having a bad day. For me personally, I don't feel comfortable swearing. It's not really a part of my daily vocabulary unless I'm like really, really upset or worked up. But it is very seldom that I curse. And so that's an example of I think how the Holy Spirit can guide each of us uniquely. Some people who have the Holy Spirit to guide them feel like it's okay and they have the freedom to curse and they don't feel that God judges them or they don't feel convicted about it or any kind of certain way. And then for people like me who also have the Holy Spirit to guide them may feel like, no, cursing isn't really for me. It's not something I feel comfortable with. Um, and some people would argue that just kind of comes down to your preference. You know, some people have a preference for, you know, working curse words into their vocabulary and feel like it's just part of the way they talk. And other people want to eliminate those words because they feel like it's not really how they talk. So... Again, I kind of meant for this to be more of a lighthearted episode, but to be serious for a second, I think conversations like the one this creator started are important, but not for the reasons this creator may think. I don't think the actual topic he brought up was very important. I don't. <laughs> I know that may sound rude, but I think there are so many more important things to talk about as a Christian than whether a woman should listen to her husband or her pastor about posting a bikini photo on social media. And I left him a comment pretty much saying that, how I think the things Christians talk about today are superficial sometimes. Like, who cares what a grown woman does on her social media, right? Right. 
I personally think it's more important to focus on the things that Jesus cares about, which he shared in Isaiah chapter 58, verses 3 through 7. Some of those things to quote directly from those verses are to quote, unlock the fetters of wickedness and untie the cords of the yoke to let the oppressed go free, to break every yoke, to share your bread with the hungry and to take the poor into your home. When you see the naked, to clothe him and to not ignore your own kin. That was a direct quote from the verse, and you can see that Jesus clearly outlines what he cares about, like the poor, taking care of one another, the oppressed, the enslaved, the overlooked. And I reference this from time to time when I get bogged down in my own superficial conversations, because I do. I try to remind myself of this verse and how the things Jesus cared about were so much deeper than judging or commenting on others. And I'm going to talk about this at length in a future episode too, but when people ask what ways the enemy seeks to bring division among Christians, I honestly think one way is through superficial conversations like this. I mean, if the enemy can't get us to stop believing in God, he can drag us down by superficial conversations like this, where we judge others instead of focusing on coming together as brothers and sisters in Christ. And I also think that this conversation is kind of like the conversation that Paul had with the Church of Corinth when they asked him about eating food sacrificed to idols in 1 Corinthians chapter 8. In his letter to the Church of Corinth, um, so just to give a bit of backstory if you're not familiar with this notion, so Paul was a... um, Well, he wasn't a disciple, actually, of Christ until later, but he started out as a Pharisee or a religious leader in his community. He actually persecuted the disciples of Christ because they were followers of Christ, which was um, basically looked down upon during that time because it's really complicated and will take a long time to explain, but the short version is but Jesus was not seen for who he said he was. He said that he was and is the Son of God, but he was seen instead by both the Romans and some of the Israelites at the time as a kind of political figure. By the Israelites, he was seen as someone who was going to kind of overthrow the Roman Empire and dismantle that authority. And of course, by the Romans, who were basically ruling over the Jewish people, to the Romans, Jesus was seen as a threat. And so, to continue to believe in Christ was pretty much seen as a crime. And so, Jesus's disciples were all persecuted exiled, many were killed and martyred for their belief in Jesus's message. And Paul, who was named Saul at the time, was someone who would hunt down these Christians, these believers of Christ, and would have them persecuted and killed and arrested and awful things like that. But then he actually had an encounter where he heard from God directly and 
he realized the errors of his ways and he realized that Christ was who he said he was, that he was the Son of God. And he became um, a messenger of Christ and also really revered in the Christian faith because of his advice and his perspective. So many churches would write to him and ask him advice on how to better run their churches. So many books in the New Testament are books named after the churches that Paul would have these um, correspondences with. So there was a church in a city called Corinth, and that is where we get First and Second Corinthians from, two books of the Bible, which are basically Paul's letters to this church, answering questions that they had asked him in a previous letter that they had sent him. So anyway, in this particular chapter, chapter 8 in 1 Corinthians, Paul addresses the problems that the members of the church had amongst themselves. Some members were okay with eating food that was sacrificed to idols because they believed that everything belonged to God and that idols were nothing compared to the one true God of Israel. So they saw nothing wrong with eating food that was sacrificed to idols. Other members of the community were worried about the implications of what it meant to eat food sacrificed to idols, and they feared that they were defiling themselves by eating things that were meant to be consumed by the idol gods. So they would reject any food served to them that was sacrificed to idols beforehand, or they wouldn't go to a certain butcher knowing that the butcher had maybe prayed a blessing over the food or sacrificed it to idols before selling it, which was a common practice back in the day. Um, so, for example, in the same way that Christians pray before eating a meal, people who were pagan would offer the food as a sacrifice to their gods before eating. Or again, they would maybe pray over it or have some kind of ritual before selling it in their shops and stuff like that. So, Paul talked about those who were not worried about eating the food sacrificed to idols and likened them to being more mature in their faith because they recognized that God is the Lord over all, even fake gods and idols. So there's no harm in eating food sacrificed to idols since the mature Christians did not recognize the power and authority of any other God but the God of Israel. Those who were more wary about eating food sacrificed to idols were described as less mature in their faith since they were still sensitive to the idea that the food was meant for idols and that Christians should avoid anything related to idol worship. Being less mature in your faith in this passage was not described as a bad thing at all, and I don't think it is at all. I think it just means that you can get hung up on lesser details instead of taking in the whole picture, like the church in this passage that I'm describing. Just like a mature wife may be able to overlook small tiffs or arguments in her marriage, a young bride may agonize over small disagreements between her and her husband. Neither one is bad or wrong. The mature wife is just further into the journey of marriage and has learned to let the little things go, whereas the less mature wife is maybe more hung up on those smaller arguments and has a harder time letting them go. In the same way, the mature Christians saw the big picture, and that included God's authority over everything in earth, even lesser gods or idols. The less mature Christians did not see the big picture and were still hung up on the principle of the matter, 
that the food was sacrificed to idols and Christians are to have nothing to do with idolatry. This conversation that the Creator started reminded me of that passage in 1 Corinthians and how more mature Christians focus on the big picture um, and that topics like this are kind of shallow compared to the bigger issues that Christianity is up against today. And on the other hand, less mature Christians may think this is a worthwhile discussion because they want to fall in line with more of the religiosity that is appealing when you are first going on the journey of becoming a Christian. It's easy to get swept up in religiosity, to make sure you're reading your Bible every day, to make sure you're going to church every Sunday, looking at the speck in your brother's eye instead of looking at the plank sticking out of your own eye. It's harder to ask God what he cares about or remember what Jesus clearly stated concerns him, as he did in the verse that I shared from Isaiah. It's harder to ask God what he wants from you and to pick up your cross daily to follow his will for your life. Now, I don't mean to sound too harsh in this episode, as I was once a less mature Christian who cared more about what other people were doing than what God was doing. And of course, I still have my moments where I gossip, have superficial conversations, watch trashy reality TV, etc. I'm not perfect in that regard by any means. However, I think that sometimes the church or Christian leaders want to talk about things that are just distractions from the harder issues of life. Rather than talk about what a woman should do with her social media or who her spiritual leader is, I wish that churches would talk about the inequality that exists between men and women, right? Like, if you're going to talk about men and women, let's talk about that. Let's talk about the double standards that exist between men and women, even in the church. Like how women are ostracized if they say they don't want to be a mom, but no one judges men as harshly if they say that they don't want to be a dad. That's just one example. I could go on and on about the burdens that are placed on women's shoulders that are not placed on the shoulders of men. All of that is to say that Christians do too much sometimes, and we all allow ourselves to get hung up on lesser things rather than fixing our eyes on things above, like it says in Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 2. It says, quote, Since you have been raised with Christ, set your heart on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not earthly things, end quote. Again, it's okay and perfectly human and normal to get caught up in superficial conversations. But once we recognize these superficial conversations for what they are, we can avoid getting bogged down by them and instead ask God what He cares about. I would argue that there are many, many more things God cares about than what we put on our social media, especially if the question is, should we put up this photo or that photo of ourselves, I think God could honestly maybe care less about that, <laughs> if I'm being frank. Um, I mean, again, just go back to the verse that I shared from Isaiah where Jesus describes what he cares about. And I love that verse because later on, even though it was written in Isaiah, which is part of the Old Testament, in the New Testament, Jesus went into the temple and he read from the Torah, the you know first few books of the Bible. He read from the Torah, and that was a common practice in that time that men would gather in the synagogue or the temple 
and they would read aloud parts of the Torah that they felt would encourage the community or um, really impact the community in a positive way. Maybe the community was going through a hard time or something like that, or they were confused about something, and a man would get up and read from the Torah a verse that he felt like applied. And so Jesus one day went into the temple amongst the men of the community, and he went to the Torah and he read that verse from Isaiah and basically was saying to the community, this is what I care about. You all are asking yourselves what God cares about, what is on his heart, what is important to him. And I am saying, as the Son of God, that this is what God cares about. So that is why that verse really impacts me and kind of points me in the right direction because not only was it written down by Isaiah, a prophet of God who heard it from God, but then Jesus himself went and read it to the community to highlight what he cared about. Anyway, thanks for sticking with me through more of a sassy episode. Sometimes my soapbox ratings get a little fiery, but I feel like I trust you guys enough now to let more of my personality shine through. Once again, I'd love to hear from you via email or social media. You know where to find me. And if you don't, you're not paying attention to my introductions at the top of the episode. Thank you, as always, for listening. I'm your host, Nicole Porter, and this has been another episode of the Lone Wolves Club podcast. Until next time.